Now, to show our gratitude, we're not going to be like the other guys and jerk you around and bullshit you. We're going to tell you the truth. Shane Douglas is the man who ignites the new flame of the sport of professional wrestling. The era of the franchise. The era of the ECW. And the franchise, Shane Douglas. Well, you want the lowdown on professional wrestling, get it right here at this podcast, Extreme Three-Way Dance. (laughs) It's not time to make a change. Just relax, take it easy You're still young, that's your fault There's so much you have to know Find a girl, settle down If you want, you can marry Look at me, I am old, but I'm happy What's our connection? Podcast Network listeners, welcome to the most extreme and to all violence you'll ever experience on the Extreme Through a Dance Podcast. We are covering the history of ECW. I am JT. Joining me as always are Jenny and Matt. How are you guys doing? Extremely pleased to be here as per usual, sir. Mm-hmm. Extremely excited for some cyber. Yeah, I mean, I guess mm-hmm. we're kind of channeling the show we're covering tonight in our own little way. We're having a cyber slam right now as we chat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's such a 90s thing, too. Cyber <laughs> slam. Like futuristic show that they're putting on here. Some wild internet raging through the country and the world in 1997. Ready. Uh, <laughs> no, we're still not ready. I was just going to say, some say we're still not <laughs> Yeah, we're, not, we're never going to really be ready for what this has brought <laughs> upon us, that's for sure. Um, but here we are now, and we are covering CyberSlam 1997. We started this podcast adventure in February of 1994, so we're pretty much right in our three-full-year anniversary calendar year uh, of ECW television and Supercard history. We've come quite the long way, and we are barreling down the highway toward barely legal 1997, the first ever ECW pay-per-view, which will be upon us, uh, what do we got, about a month and a half from tonight, we'll be hitting that um, for you all, so we're really excited for it, and uh, we'll get the final build, and to do that, we have our final live supercard from the ECW arena, and that is CyberSlam 1997, we open up with some tag team action, featuring the Eliminators, taking on Rob Van Dam and Sabu. Joey Styles welcomes us into the annual internet fan convention. The best tag team in the world today come out. They drag a ladder from under the ring immediately. We find out tables and ladders are legal in this one, which, of course, I feel like they're legal in every match in ECW. Mm-hmm. 
Saturn cuts a promo bragging them up and then puts over Team ECW as a whole. Says those jerk-offs will find out all about it on Monday night to a huge pop. And, of course, that's foreshadowing a very interesting episode of Monday Raw uh, that we'll be touching on in our next episode. But uh, the Eliminators here kind of hint toward it. They say uh, tonight they want to provide, uh, they want to prove which team is the best of the world on their home turf. Sabu and RVD head out to a big pop for round two of this war. Saturn says the losers tonight will shake the hands of the winners and who will clearly be the best team in the world. Joey sets the stakes up as we get rolling with RVD and Saturn trading a quick flurry of holds. The crowd's fired up as they work through the holds, cresting with an RVD leg lariat for two. Both men reset and tag out. Sabu and Cronus come in. We get another equal trade-off of control and holds. Cronus gets a nice urinagi for two. Sabu comes back with a low drop kick into a single crab, but Saturn busts it up with a leap off the top. He comes in hot, wipes both guys out with hard strikes. Sabu slugs Saturn with a great punch and tags RVD. They sew together some double-team spots, including a sick drop kick by RVD, while Saturn was trapped in a camel clutch, which looks great. RVD and Saturn twist through a series of spots, ending with Saturn crotching on the top rope, knocking him out to the floor with a springboard forearm. The Eliminators grab a ladder, but RVD and Sabu dropkick it into their faces. Sabu flies over the top, but misses and hits the railing. Cronus follows suit and barrels into RVD. Saturn and Sabu battle into the crowd as Cronus and RVD quickly follow as well. They matriculate around the arena, trading strikes, and eventually end up back at ringside. Sabu cracks Saturn with a chair, then hits a triple jump moonsault, but can't cover due to his ribs. RVD comes in as Sabu gets a ladder, and Saturn mashes it with a brain buster for two. RVD gets a moonsault, spring off the ladder, and then they slam Saturn on the ladder, hit a rolling thunder slingshot, leg drop combo for two. Saturn smashes RVD with the ladder, then stands on it in the corner, puts RVD against it, and Cronus buries him with a handspring elbow. The Eliminators start to settle into control, working together and drop-kicking the ladder into the challengers. The Eliminators set up another ladder in the corner, but RVD reverses a whip and shoots Saturn into it, hooks him in an inverted surfboard, and Sabu comes off the top with an axe to the ribs. Sabu hits an Arabian face buster with the ladder. RVD covers for two, gets a double underhook gourd buster, and RVD splashes the ladder for two. The challengers keep battering Saturn until he cuts him down with a double clothesline. Cronus tags in and the champs clean house and pick up some near falls. Saturn gets two and a nice sit-out driver as Cronus whips RVD to the ladder. Sabu throws Saturn into the crowd, dives into it with a springboard. RVD barrels into Cronus with a moonsault off the railing, but back inside, Saturn gets two and a Frankensteiner. The champions isolate RVD and Saturn. Scales the ladder, hits a big splash, but Sabu saves and throws the ladder to Cronus and knocks him outside. Puts him on a table and flies him, uh, flies through him with a slingshot somersault senton. RVD puts Saturn on a ladder bridge and tries a split-legged moonsault on him, but didn't have enough room and they crumple down. RVD and Sabu hit slingshot stereo kicks, but Saturn saves. RVD and Sabu use each other to set up offense, but one backfires on them, so they pause, look at each other, and that allows the eliminators to clobber them. They hit RVD with total elimination, but Joey says they promised to hit it twice because of the last match. So they hit a second one, and they finish off RVD to retain their titles after a 20-minute war. We get an emotional celebration for the Eliminators, and after a moment of angst, Sabu shakes hands with RVD. Uh, but RVD, I'm sorry, Sabu shakes hands, but RVD does not want to. Sabu tries to force him to do it, but RVD argues with him as the Eliminators wait. And Joey talks about the immaturity of RVD compared to Sabu because he never shakes their hands, and he leaves. Sabu hugs both Eliminators and hands them the belts and walks off. Interesting. Uh, I was really good, as always, with these guys, but it felt like, again, like they were kind of out of ideas uh, and trying a lot of random shit, and not every time did it connect. Their baseline's high, 
the crowd loved it. So it still worked really well, especially as an opener. It's not the classic you hoped it would be. And it definitely felt like a little bit of a diminishing return since their last stuff. Already said, we'll come up just short. Limiters continue to reign as top dogs and are presumably the best team in the world uh, after winning here tonight. So, Matt, I went three and three quarters. Again, it's a great match. I don't want to sound like I'm down on it. Um, I just think the expectations are so high and their past work is a little bit better. You could feel that they're almost like, what do we do next? Yeah, I, I definitely got that vibe from this match, too. I went three and a half on it. So, I mean, it's definitely a good match, but... Uh, I think I mentioned this on the last match they had at crossing the line again, when you've already seen that they can have like a four and a half star match, Mm -hmm. anything under that is going to be seen as disappointment because you know, they can reach that level and they just haven't since then. So I think the diminishing returns is uh, the right way to describe it. And I do think you said it by the end. I do think they kind of lost what they were trying to do there. It it felt like they had gone through everything and they were just trying to kind of like get to the end of the match. So I mean, it was still very good. There were some great spots in this. Uh, at one point, Saturn just chucks a ladder at RVD and it cr- cracks him right in the head. And I thought that was uh, that was disgusting. But uh, and the crowd was red hot for it. This is like a picture perfect uh, way to open up a show. The crowd's molten hot to begin with, and then you go out there and you throw this match out first. I mean, you're gonna get a great atmosphere. And I, I thought Joey was great during this match too. He was losing his fucking mind during this, just like literally screaming on commentary about mm-hmm. some of the moves that were going on so i thought he was really good but uh yeah hopefully you know we keep these two teams apart for a bit now because it feels like like you said diminishing returns but still a really good match and a good opener so three and a half for me jenny i agree with you guys but i think i enjoyed it more than you (laughs) especially and more than their previous match because wasn't there another one that we were kind of disappointed in after Mm -hmm. their really good one so it's like, um, I, th- I liked it better than that one. And I think it's just because I like moves with a Z. And mm-hmm. uh, Justin, I think you named every wrestling move that exists. Um, because <laughs> oh they all did it in this. And like you said, Matt, Joey losing his mind. I was I was sucked in. Joey, Joey got me and all the moves got me. The ladder mm-hmm. got me because I'm a sucker for that, too. So this was all just sort of working for me, although I do agree um, they have had better and we've seen better. And um, the Eliminators are the best in the world. And I think they proved it again. Um, just just little things like the fucking bounce on the Saturn bomb. Like and that was late in the match. Everything that they were doing, like, it did feel a little bit like running out of ideas, but they were all, like, they were all still working for me, like, what they were throwing together. So, I, 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 did, it, I mean, it was messy. It was messy. I like the messy. Um, it's hot. So, I like the ending, too, because it causes some trouble between RVD and Sabu. Like, Sabu needs any more trouble. Look, he's already got Taz <laughs> uh, very shortly. So, um, I, you know, he's always, for as long as he avoided Taz and his hatred, um, you would think he would, you know, be like, I'm not fucking with trying to shake anybody's hand or not shake anybody's hand. So I, I was, I guess I was surprised that he did it, but I was kind of glad that he was. I like a good handshake at the end. So whatever. I went fuck it for. 
Yeah, I don't think it's that far off at all. Uh, I, and I'm also fine if this is it with these teams. Yes. Like, I think mm-hmm. we, we kind of get the mm-hmm. dream match. We scratch that itch. I don't, I don't think we need to see more of them trying to figure out, like, how to keep upping themselves. Because at some point, it is the level and degree of difficulty to do so is going to make it even more dangerous. And, you know, yeah. like, mm-hmm. Sebu's already kind of injury prone as it is. Right. Uh, like, yeah. we, we just don't need to keep upping the game just to try and top their previous matches. Like, I think it's it's good. We got we got we needed to get out of them. Kill some you, time. Yeah. And we'll see where the Eliminators go next with their titles. Does Sabu get a break, do you think, in this time before Barely Legal? Like, uh, I'm guessing no, because no. I yeah. think they probably want to go as hard as they can into that to try and showcase them. So, right. I just yeah. worry about the man. And he, I mean, he's a guy that can anchor a show too. If it's a fairly weak house show, like right. somewhere in East Chicken Screw for Pennsylvania <laughs> or whatever, like he's a guy that can, you could put him in there with anybody and it'll sell tickets if you know what ECW right. is. So. Mm. All right. Joey Styles is in the ring and he does the official ECW open to welcome in the rabid crowd who does boo when he mentions the internet fan conventions. So I don't know if they're a little bitter about these out of towners coming in. <laughs> um, he then brings out the pit bulls to a nice ovation for a chat. Joey asks Gary Wolf how his neck is. He says he's ready to kick the franchise's ass. Tells him to stop being a Shawn Michaels and come out and face him. Of course, it's around this time that Shawn Michaels had lost a smile. So that's uh, running rampant around the wrestling industry. Douglas and Francine appear in the nest. Shane says Pitbull one is a big mouth for a disabled man. Shane tells a fan to kiss his ass and says he doesn't give a fuck about Raw or ECW. But he does care about the Pitbulls running their mouths and beating their chests. They don't have to wait for pay-per-view. Shane's never listed to doctors, and he should never be compared to a pussy like Shawn Michaels. He tells us to come get an ass-whipping right now. The Pitbulls oblige and head up as Shane keeps talking shit. The Pitbulls scale up, but Shane attacks them with a crutch. Out come Brian Lee and Chris Candido. They attack as well. Lee chokes and has Pitbull 2 through a table as Candido talks shit. Shane asks Pitbull 1 if he wants to motorize wheelchairs. They keep beating on them and uh, wraps us up. So I thought it was a really hot segment, Jenny. It didn't drag on at all. thought it added even more heat to this already hot, ongoing feud. Uh, but it, it didn't overstay its welcome. It didn't feel like, oh, not this again. It felt still hot. Shane is, you know, badgering the shit out of Pitbull 1 and then assaulting them some more. Uh, I kind of love this, too. Um, wow. They were they were um, they were fired up, weren't they? And uh, mm-hmm. it's good to see them back, you know, together. And but boy, did they look dumb running up there. <laughs> like, <laughs> obviously, you knew uh, old dudes were going to be waiting up there. So, yeah, they look dumb. But. Um, Shane knows how to cut a fire promo as always. Uh, two through the table, choking out with the chain. My God, um, it's hot. The whole show's been hot so far. At least first what half hour because that first match was forever. But mm-hmm. I'm in. What do you think, Matt? Uh, I'm starting to think these guys don't like Shawn Michaels. I'm no expert, but <laughs> <laughs> they just rip him a new one. Uh, I'm sure that cut Shane deep, too. But, yeah, it, it was a great segment. Uh, Shane with another line. Uh, for a disabled man, you have a big mouth. Uh, again, <laughs> he just he just keeps saying offensive things, and it's great. Uh, yeah, it, it's a great opening segment. I like how he says he doesn't care about Raw or ECW or Heyman. I thought that was great. The beatdown was great. So, yeah, I enjoyed this quite a bit. Uh, how many t- tables do we think pitbull 2 has gone through in like the past mm. year because it, it feels like it's a big fucking number 20 it's way too many yeah. yeah it's a lot it's a lot i'm a, i'm starting to fear for the man's safety especially with <laughs> some of those tables that he goes through looks like they should be you know declared like hazmat areas man, 
Fuck them table. Did you see one's uh, neck with a chain wrapped around it? He just got that thing working again. <laughs> like, that was not smart. Uh, no, not not his uh, not his best idea. But uh, yeah, this was a hot segment. You know what else was a hot segment? Mm-hmm. The Italian lesson of the week. Today's words, words. are words. It's a sentence, I guess. Phrase. To my pizza in piede. Oh my god. Dear Jesus. <laughs> Your shot? No, I'll say it again. Yeah. Okay. I will do just that. To my pizza in piede. To my pizza in piede. To my pizza in piede. That means your mother urinates while standing. Oh, oh. Jesus. My goodness. Where are you getting these phrases, sir? Uh, the Italian Urban Dictionary, apparently. It's passed down from generation to generation of football oh, Italians. Right, right. Yes. This is how you Look. indoctrinate other Italians. You have a 100% Italian bloodline. You received this at your 18th birthday. Uh-huh. Actually, it's probably more like a death birthday, honestly. But, um, well, I'm more Italian than Tommy Rich, I guess. That's true. Would you be offended if someone said that to you? Your mom pisses standing up? No. No. Well, I don't speak Italian, so I wouldn't have understood them. But if they said it in <laughs> English, I mean, maybe. But <laughs> To my pizza in piedi. I don't know. As an Italian, is that very offensive to you? Well, it's not an Italian thing. It's it's a it's a assault on your mom saying that she uh she's got a dick basically. She stands pissed, you know, stands and pisses. Right, right. Well, I mean, technically, if you're a woman, you can pee standing up. You just yeah, have to. You still you still gonna squat a little bit, right? Yeah, you do, like, but you're, you're, I mean, you're not standing straight that's, up. That's peeing. true. That is true. Yeah. I mean, I don't look. I don't. I don't presume to know all the physics of being a woman, <laughs> a woman, a woman, <laughs> a woman. But I would assume standing straight up. Would be oh, that's a that's bit of probably a yeah, that's probably bad news. Well, let me allow uh, you know you guys to know that it is possible um, if you have what's called a tunnel funnel. Oh, I which see. Which I I received as a gift. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, but you need a yeah, but you you need a tool. Right. You but can't you just can stand on. You it. can't stand on your. Own. You could, but it's going to be a disaster, right? No, it's not. That's the point. So that you with can... the tool, but what about without the tool? If you forget the tool at home, then what do you do? If the tool wasn't ever created, could you be standing up straight up? I mean, you can technically. The cleanup would the cleanup would be a disaster. I'm I'm sure. Right? But. Yeah, it's gonna be messy, but you can do it. It's possible. It's likely been done in the ECW arena, is my guess. Yes. Oh, some, at some point by someone. I'm guessing every show. And the GCW. Oh well, yeah. <laughs> there was that one. Oh, never mind. <laughs> I did get excited about the light tubes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get to our next match, and that does feature the full-blooded Italians as Little Guido takes on Chris Chetty. Tommy Rich comes out during the intros of this match. He hugs Guido. He wants to talk, but he'll wait on the fans to shut up. Rich says Guido is already a bunch of women lined up for him and explains that he found his great-granddaddy used to live in Philly and work for the Mafia. He was going to get waxed, so he moved to Nashville. Rich said he is full-blooded Italians, just like Guido and Hank Williams. The family called Rich and said Guido needed help. 
and then he threatens the fans as they boo. Rich keeps ranting and says he'll make a champion out of Guido. And it looks like we have a new fun addition to the full-blooded Italians in Tommy Rich. The fans chant, you suck dick right away as we get the intros going. Chetty looks confident, but he's got this quite the situation to deal with now with Rich in the mix. Rich grabs a mic and rants again before the bell. The crowd chants for JT Smith as he finally start the match. Chetty chases Guido around, but Guido gets a backslide for two, gets a... Uh, as he gets close, Chetty gets a Frankensteiner for two as he keeps working through some takedowns and covers as Rich complains. Rich trips up Chetty and Guido gets to work on strikes. Guido gets a gut buster. Joyce says both men are New York State amateur champions. Guido lays in some punches, but Chetty comes firing back. Guido goes to the eyes and gets a suplex, chucks Chetty outside where Rich gets a shot in. Guido twists over a nice power slam for two. Joyce says Chetty's the first ever graduate of the ECW House, House of Hardcore. Guido's all over him, but Chetty keeps kicking out, ends up with a spin kick for a near fall. Guido counters a Frankensteiner with a power bomb for two, and then our Rich's advice heads up top but misses a knee drop, and Chetty cradles him for the big upset win. Rich grabs the mic as the crowd wants Guido to fuck him up. Guido barks at Rich, but Tommy talks him down. It says they're pazans and the full-blooded <laughs> Italian. Uh, they had a bad night, and it says, you know, fuck every one of you to the fans, and then they hug. Good moment, I thought, uh, for Chetty. He gets the big win. The crowd is into it. The FBI is being reshaped as something else. They look kind of like Goose, which I guess is fine. So if you're not pushing them as a serious threat, which obviously they weren't really, even with JT Smith, why not put Rich up, you know, put him in there. If he fucks up, he fucks up. But maybe build something that could be pretty funny as you move forward to see who else and how else they approach this. Um, you know, I think you could have maybe had Chetty beat someone else if you really wanted to just push the FBI, but it's fine to show that Rich has to figure shit out. So, but I went two and a quarter. I thought the match was fine. What do you think of uh, Wildfire joining the full-blooded Italians and being one of uh, Pazan? Uh, it, it is certainly a choice. I think uh, for comedic purposes, it's gonna be it's gonna be something because uh, this motherfucker's promo was rambling. <laughs> this this marble mouth denim factory of a human being. <laughs> I mean, good like my granddaddy worked for the mafia, the full-blooded Italian. Italian. <laughs> <laughs> oh god it was so good it was it, I, I almost feel like the match was kind of secondary to everything tommy yeah. rich was doing like it, it was done solely to put over tommy rich as the as a member of the full-blooded italians but yeah i mean it it, it was perfectly fine it, it was decent enough i went two stars on it but i, I like the upset win because it already shows that tommy rich is kind of a goof and doesn't know mm -hmm. what he's doing in the fbi so i thought that was smart uh, I like uh, Tommy Rich saying we're paisans at the end. Uh, that it's like when Aldo Rain tries to be Italian in Inglorious Bastards. It's kind of that thing. Rivaderci. But uh, yeah, uh, two stars for me on this. Uh, this was all about Tommy Rich. The match was secondary for me, Jenny. Uh, y'all said it. Um, it's hard to out goof like uh, JT Smith, but um, <laughs> he sure did. <laughs> Uh, at first, I was like, oh, no, it's going to be dumb. But then the more he kept talking, I was like, oh, no, it's going to be hilarious. Um, so I really did enjoy him being absolutely ridiculous. And then I enjoyed the little match, you know. No, it was pretty basic, you know, pretty good. New guy, new blood, always good to see that. It looked a little, I don't know, he looked a little poly D-ish, kind of <laughs> had that little peanut butter cup hair Five. Um, I ain't mad at it. He was cute. So two stars from me. All right, we go right back to the ring for our next match as Stevie Richards, big Stevie Cool, takes on Balls Mahoney. 
<laughs> Straight out of Asbury. Ball stomps out for our next match. All smiles. Kind of doing a biker gimmick with some leather chaps and a hat. Yeah. Joey says, you got to have big balls to dress like that. We get a huge pop for the BWO as always. They head through the crowd. They hit the ring and do their poses and their shtick. Stevie grabs a side headlock to start. The balls plants him with a shoulder block and chucks him around, lays in some heavy punches. Stevie escapes and dodges a charge into a quick flurry to an arm bar. The crowd chants, show your tits, and Meaty flashes them as Stevie keeps working the arm. <laughs> We go to a Fujiwara armbar. Joey thinks Stevie's better off running balls around the ring as opposed to grinding. And balls takes right over with more punches. Stevie gets a cross body block for two, goes back to the armbar, mounts balls in the corner, hammers away, rubs his ass, and balls his face. Balls gets a short arms clothesline and then keeps tossing heavy shots as the crouch has balls to every punch. Balls takes Stevie outside of the spin wheel kick and snaps his neck across the top rope before crotching him on the bottom rope. Balls keeps laying it on Stevie in the ring. Very slow pace. Stevie turns the tide and slugs away. Balls hits a big nutcracker to shut him down. <laughs> balls slams Stevie, heads up top, but misses a leg drop. Stevie quickly hits a stone cold center and some strikes, but Balls catches him with a fallaway slam. Mocks the blue guy. Balls loads up the raises edge, but Stevie floats over. It's a low blow kick and finishes him with the Stevie kick for the victory. Stevie does a strip tease after the bell until a groupie hits the ring, tries to mob him, but security drags her away. I was okay. It seemed like they were really working hard to make it. Stevie seemed more legit in the ring, able to break down big guys and work different styles. Balls throws some good strikes. He can move around. He's a good addition and looks strong. But I thought it was bland, given the slow pace. You kind of want more chaos. That's the allure of the BWO is just madness around the ring and in the ring. The final stretch picked up a bit, but I found it to be a little bit long and boring for mostly Jenny. So two and a half stars for me. And, you know, heading toward a, what's likely to be a high profile spot for Stevie, barely legal. This felt like a bit of a slow step for him. Hmm. I don't know. Stevie was having a bad hair day. Number one, um, did not enjoy his look today. And that's rare because usually I'm a fan. Um, but all of my attention went to balls Mahoney, who I super enjoyed watching. <laughs> I don't know. There's something about him. I think I said it last time, but, um, I don't know. It's like some sort of, I got nothing. I got no explanation. He's just interesting to watch. He's interesting to look at. His clothes are fabulous. Um, and I just enjoyed watching him work. I don't know. Um, Stevie, I also enjoy a lot too. So I, you know, it's not, it's not tearing the house down. We're not really, we're not really doing anything new here, but I like it. Two and a half stars. Yeah, it's definitely a weird spot for Stevie. I see what you're coming from. This is a pretty long match, too. It's like over 10 minutes, I think. So it's definitely it's interesting for Stevie, given that he's got a big spot coming up. I, I do kind of get what they were trying to do. Have him have like a hard fought win against a newcomer. And I, I enjoyed the match overall. I thought it was pretty good back and forth. I, I thought Balls was able to show uh, kind of what he's all about here. I thought he had a good showcase, and I think it gives Stevie a hard fought win, like I said. Uh, the pop the BWO gets is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, like, it might be the biggest pop they've had so far. It's crazy just how popular they've gotten <laughs> for this spoof gimmick. It's wild to see. But, uh, yeah, it, it's a very different match than I was expecting, but uh, I did enjoy it overall. So I went uh, I went two and three quarter on it. All right, we'll see how Stevie progresses as he continues to be elevated up the card. Next up, we have Spike Dudley taking on Axel Rotten. Axel marches out and stalks to the ring as little Spike storms in like a madman to a pop. He starts throwing chairs around. 
Axel attacks him on the floor, slings him to the railing, and hot shots him on it. Stomps away. He slugs back at uh, Spike, takes it back in the ring, where he mocks Spike's bushwhacker walk and gets a suplex or two. <laughs> Axel misses a charge, and Spike is all over him. Bites his head and then hits a drop kick. But Axel swats him away, so Spike hits a flying forearm instead. Spike meets him outside the somersault senton and then a plancha as well. Back inside, Spike goes up top and gets a high cross body for two. And then goes up again. Axel mashes him with a clothesline on the way down for two. Spike shoves out of a bulldog, gets an acid drop, but his brothers come in and attacks him, allowing Axel to have the dominator for the win. Bubba Ray and Devon beat the piss out of Spike after. And that'll set up our next match in a minute, but that's it for this one. A decent brawl. It was kept short, which is always good. We get a taste of the brewing Dudley family issue here, which is the main goal. Axel's just kind of handing on the periphery of the Dudley stuff. I feel like he's been for like a year now. Uh, keeps him busy enough. Star and three quarters, Matt. Just wasn't a ton here. Just meant to really help us transition smoothly into our next match. Yeah, that, that was basically the only point of this match existing. I went a star and a half on it. It was fine for what it was, but it was five minutes long. It is, it, it's still definitely a little weird that Axel is still hanging around with the Dudleys. I'm curious how long that is going to last. We'll see how long that happens. But uh, And the only other thing I'll say about this is, uh, is all Axel Rotten owns is Marilyn Manson t-shirts. Because it seems like every episode, <laughs> all he wears is Marilyn Manson stuff. But yeah. Big uh, fan. He's a big fan. Apparently, uh, but yeah, n- not much here. Star and a half, Jenny. He's hardcore, Matt. Mm-mm. That must um, be it. He gets a long ass intro too for this match. I was like, what? What are we doing? We need all this. I'm an Axel fan, but that, that was extreme. Um, I don't know. Like y'all said, kind of basic. Um, I I find myself not giving a fuck about the Dudleys, Spike, Devon, Bubba Ray. Really, I don't give a shit. So. I, I like Axel. I don't know. A star and a half. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> so, like I said, our next match flows out of that one as the Dudleys are beating on Spike. Natural Born Killers fires up. And out come the gangsters to a huge pop. Spike is carted off as Bubba, Devon, and Axel stand tall in the ring. The gangsters are chucking weapons. We're off and running with a hard hitting brawler on ringside and then into the ring. Axel's bleeding almost immediately as Mustafa fucks up Bubba's nose. We get a near fall by Mustafa, so apparently this is a match. <laughs> Mustafa keeps battering Bubba in the ring as Jack works over a bloody Devon on the floor with whatever weapons he can find. The music finally fades and Axel's trying to stumble to his feet as the Dudleys take over. Devon sends Jack up against the table. Bubba splashes him through it and then whips him back into the shards. The Dudleys hammer away and go for near falls as all four men are now bleeding. Devon slaughters Jack with a chair as Bubba claws away at Mustafa. Devon follows that with a VCR shot to the head as Bubba keeps Mustafa grounded, picking up a near fall. The crowd is a bit subdued for this as Devon and New Jack end up on the floor with more weapons flying. Mustafa gets two on a suplex as Jack and Devon get in the crowd where Jack beats on him. Mustafa posts Bubba outside and meets his partner outside. He puts Devon on a table and then Jack runs to the nest, flies through Devon with an insane dive, just a classic spot to a huge pop where he flies off the nest through the table. All four men are dead on the floor as the crowd eventually battles uh, in the crowd, but eventually battle back to the ring. Axel comes in and smashes Jack with a chair, rolls Devon on top, but Jack barely gets his arm up to survive. Outside, Mustafa just levels Bubba with a chair shot to the head, chokes him with a guitar handle. Jack goes up top, hits Axel with a chair, throws it at him when he falls. Jack leaps off the top, but Bubba catches him in the uh, Bubba cutter and picks up the win. This was a fun brawl. It started kind of messy, but got a groove. Had an all-time spot from New Jack with the wild dive, which is a classic ECW moment. Uh, and a big upset win, too. The Dudleys establishing themselves as a force, beating Gangsters clean in their own kind of match. The Gangsters definitely been scuffling lately. 
Uh, feels like this has potential to be the next kind of red hot blood feud in the tag division. We'll see if the gangsters keep afloat or if they've really just kind of becoming a novelty team here more than anything else. Jenny, I went two and three quarter stars in this match. Two and three quarters. Okay. I was a little bit lower and I guess maybe just because I kind of don't care about the Dudleys, but um, it is a blood feud definitely because there was blood all over this, which I enjoy a lot. Um, but just wild chaos, like kind of a normal match for the gangsters, but um, a step up, I guess, for Devon and Bubba Ray. Um, I thought they, I thought they did well. You know, I thought they hung with the gangsters better than I would expect them to. Um, it was sort of like a fever dream, though. I don't know. It was just, I don't know. It, it kind of something about the crowd brawling. I don't know. It got a little weird there in the middle, but um, it was cool to see them win. Um, so I went two and one quarter stars, Matt. Yeah, uh, big win for the Dudleys here. Gives them a massive win against an established team. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I really enjoyed the finish. I thought the Bubba, cut, Bubba Cutter, easy for me to say, looked great. Uh, I thought that was a great finish. And uh, uh, what I'm about to say may be a touch sacrilege on this here podcast, mm-hmm. but I, f- I feel like I liked this more than the Gangsters Eliminators matches. I'd have to go back uh... and look at my ratings but i i feel like the dudleys meshed better with the gangsters like their styles are very similar and i don't know they had a chemistry that the gangsters just didn't have with the eliminators so i don't know i i think i think i like this more than most of those matches i'd have to go back and look so i actually went three stars on this i i I enjoyed this quite a bit i would agree with you on the chemistry um definitely here but I don't know if I can go a better match. The the gangsters are definitely the spiritual followers to the public enemy, right? It's right. like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it was kind of good for a bit. And this mm-hmm. charisma, this energy, the crowd loves them. They're mm-hmm. a staple. But the matches are just the same stuff right. over and over, right? It's like they'd be almost a better act. And, and well, and again, I'm not going to criticize too much. The crowd's always into them. But mm-hmm. it feels like they'd be almost a better touring act. So you get to see them in different cities. If you've never seen them live, it's a thing, right? Like versus in the same arena, doing the same match over and over. And and maybe I'm wrong because the crowd never seems to tire of it, but it just, it feels like it's just the same. It's just what weapons can we use next and do that. And that's, and there's no story beyond that. I guess PE at least even told more of a story in the ring than they did. Right. Um, So not to fully denigrate public enemy, but I, I think the gangsters to me, you know, but whatever you get to hear the music you get to see the weapons it's a thing mm-hmm. i'd almost prefer to see them like come out and brawl with random people and not even have matches anymore at this point like right just segments right the music hits there's a wild segment and then they're out like trying to string together moves and pins and everything else doesn't fully connect sometimes in these matches because it's just like the same old shit over and over Right. It, it feel it's an it's a, a gimmick and an act that is made for like a live mm-hmm. crowd, but when you're watching it here, it doesn't hit as hard. Like they're very one note and in a live right. crowd in a live crowd that one note works. But when you're watching it at home, you know, twenty five years after the fact, it doesn't hit the same. <laughs> right. Weird. Agreed. Weird how that happens. <laughs> All right, back to the room we go as Taz takes on Tracy Smothers, who's arrived in ECW. Fresh off his run as Freddie Joe Floyd in the WWF, and of course, uh, Smoky Mountain and, uh, you know, Southern Wrestling Standard, Tracy is. Another good addition to fill out the card here is they add both uh, Wildfire Rich, they've added Tracy Smothers, they've added Balls Mahoney, so they're 
picking off some of these leftover Smoky Mountain guys when that mm-hmm. folded. Um, dudes that really didn't have a ton going on or guys that kind of quickly flamed out at WF. So they're bolstering the lower mid-card, which is good. Taz's usual great entrance stands stoically during the intros. The buzz there, as always. Joey talks up Tracy's resume. Taz starts things with a hard slap across the face. Slugs him in the jaw, but Smothers comes right back with a flurry of strikes. They battle on the mat. The fun trading of amateur-style controls until Taz cranks a chancery. Gets a great suplex out of the hold. Smothers sneaks in a sunset flip, but Taz cracks him with a hard clothesline and stomps away. Smothers floats over a charge and gets a twist and cross body off the middle rope for two. Smacks Taz with some back fists and an enziguri. Smothers hits some nice elbow strikes and a leg lariat for two. Heads up top and it's a flying back elbow for a near fall as well. Taz grabs Smothers from behind and folds him with a German. Follows out with a T-bone and finishes him with a Taz mission. And this is a fun little sprint. Uh, Smothers look great. He really should stick around. He's a good credential guy that could go. Taz looked awesome as well. He's building momentum for Bailey Legal, crushing anyone his way. Give me more time, and this pops more. But as is, I found it to be a really entertaining little semi-squash. Matt, I went two and a half stars, and I'm excited to see Smothers here. I think he's a good addition to bolster the card. I'm right there with you. Two and a half for me. Uh, super fun sprint uh, gives Taz another win against a uh, an established guy who has been around uh, pretty much everywhere by this point. So it's a it's a good win for Taz. Uh, the feed, for whatever reason, was real rough during this mm-hmm. match. I don't know if yeah. they had uh, transfer issues. Like it was real rough. Like it went black and white at one point, which is how I normally see things. So I felt <laughs> so I I felt right at home. But it was uh, it was definitely real weird. But uh, yeah, I thought Smothers got a little bit of shine into even though it was pretty much a semi squash but uh yeah uh, i enjoyed this quite a bit fun sprint two and a half stars jenny i'm glad you made the joke because i was because <laughs> you were going to because you saved me um <laughs> so i summed up this match in or in like one sentence uh smothers tries but taz destroys him with suplexes and then he taps um I feel like that's accurate, and it was very enjoyable. I like the Smothers guy, too. Um, so I don't like his name. Can we change that? Is there <laughs> anything we could do? I don't see that happening. That? Okay. Um, his name sucks, but he's cool. Uh, Taz looked <laughs> like a rock star, <laughs> and Fonzie was not blowing his whistle quite as much. So I wasn't a raving lunatic by the end of the squash <laughs> match. So I went two stars. And it's been a very straightforward show so far, too. I mean, we're just yes. kind, of, we're kind of cruising along here. But yeah. it is. it felt like just very much like it was a card that didn't have a ton of super hot personal issues uh-huh. laid into it. I guess the Eliminators match in the open kind of has been a feud. Mm-hmm. And then our last, our next match is obviously the, the crux of everything. That's a big feud. Mm-hmm. Uh, the main event, though, isn't either. So it's like we, we kind of have the show that's, it almost feels like a filler. And we talked about this in our last episode, mm-hmm. right, Matt, about barely legal is likely supposed to happen more in February. Yeah. Um, so it feels like they're trying to find ways now to get to that pay-per-view, whereas maybe they had already mapped out. Because this last three to four weeks so far has definitely felt so far like they're filling time just mm-hmm. to get there. Like they already had everything in mind, but they're trying to stretch it out. Yeah, this this feels very like house show, like mm. not not a show in the ECW mm. arena. Like this feels like a show that would have been in like Queens or something, you know? Right. Which, which is fine, but for an ECW arena show, usually that's where you get like mm-hmm. the personal feuds, the crazy segments in the ring and stuff. And you just haven't seen that to this point. It's 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 a very filler show. It's not a bad show, as you could tell by our ratings so far, but it's it's just it's very like coasting into the pay-per-view which you know 
you gotta do what you gotta do at you know it's business whatever you can't <laughs> change the date i guess but um if you already had your your shit planned out um but you better fucking deliver on mm-hmm. the pay-per-view is my right. only thing like i'm i'm with you like we're we're all taking the journey we're all buying what you're selling but just please god um deliver on the pay-per-view so that's where i'm at now with this holding pattern that we're in <laughs> right mm-hmm Okay, I mentioned we have our kind of our linchpin match with our all big fuse, and that is next. It's a tag match. It's primetime Brian Lee, the bulldozer, teams with Raven, our world champion, to take on Terry Funk and Tommy Dreamer, his protege. Raven heads out with Lee, slumps in the quarter as usual, awaiting his challenge. Joey says, an I quit match. We've seen Shane Douglas at Pitbull 1. We'll go down to Hostile City Showdown 97. That's next month. If Funk pins Raven here, he gets that title match. at barely legal, so that's a lot on the line in this match. We get a good – yes, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I hate interrupting you, but I was like, Hostile City, what now? Because <laughs> I don't know that they've mentioned that at any point. Well, he says it here, I think. I know, but like not previously. Oh, yeah, I think it's just the next monthly show. They always just sneak shit in. Um, I don't know. It must have been announced at the arena, I would have assumed by this point, probably on this night. They probably said for the next next month, but. Okay. Are you sad that they've given up the gimmick? Was was it ninety four with the hostility show, showdown Lee? Whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. I think that was ninety four. <laughs> it was quite the thing. Different era. Uh, if Funk pins Raven, like I said, he gets the title match. Joey reminds us Tommy's never pinned Raven in a match. We get loud Terry chants with the crowd as we go through the intros and settle in. Raven shit talks Tommy before we start, reminding him that he's never beaten Raven in anything since they've been twelve years old. So he'll lay down and Tommy can pin him. No tricks, no traps. But it'll cost Terry's pay-per-view shot. So Raven is trying to bait Tommy in. Tommy's <laughs> going to decide, get that elusive win over Raven or continue the match to try and get Terry's title match. And, of course, you know what Tommy picks. He chooses his mentor over the glory. Tommy attacks and hammers away. Uh, he goes to cover but gets up. Funk tags in. Raven tags out right away. So Funk tags back out. Joey says he wants to stay fresh for the champion. Lee batters Tommy right away with heavy strikes and a power slam. Raven tags in and punches Tommy in the nuts to keep control. Tommy comes back with a DDT and covers, but gets up at one and tags Funk, who tries a quick batch of covers, but Raven scampers away and bails outside. Lee comes in and Funk works over with elbows and demands Lee tag, but Raven refuses. Tommy and Funk take turns working over Lee, and Raven comes in whenever Tommy brawl uh, does and brawls with him as the illegal man, so Funk can't beat on him. All four men at ringside brawl, and the weapons start flying as we get into the crowd and head toward the back bleachers. Back in the ring, Raven crunches Terry with a pair of low blows while Lee and Tommy brawl on the floor. The now bloodied Raven grabs a mic and shit talks Funk as he smacks him around. Raven slugs away, but Funk comes firing back, grabs the mic, and hammers him with it. Funk revs up the spinning toehold, but Raven's gasping in pain and quits, but there's no referee in the ring. The ref finally returns, but Lee's right behind him, and he bashes both Funk and Tommy with a trash can. Joey says Funk knows he can beat Raven now with that spinning toehold. Lee keeps using the trash can of both men over and over. Tommy tries to protect Funk and cover him, but he's taking big blows as well. Really cool series. The lead is wrecks both guys while Raven barks orders at him. Tommy's bleeding as Funk try- keeps trying to get up. Tommy keep- wants Funk to stay down, but he refuses. keeps pushing to his feet. Out comes damage control and officials. They try and get Funk to leave, but he keeps f- trying to get up and flailing away. Funk is loaded on the stretcher, but he keeps fighting off of it no matter how hard they try and keep him down. They wheel him out, and Raven and Lee stand tall, but the BWO music fires up. Out comes Stevie, Tyler Fullington, and Lori Fullington. 
Raven smacks Stevie and dares Stevie to hit him back. Stevie cues up the Stevie kick, but before he can launch, Lee cuts him off with a choke slam. Tyler leaves Lori. Uh, Tyler leaves Lori, gets in the ring and slaps Raven, and he DDTs her to a pop. Tyler comes back with Dreamer, but he gets assaulted by Raven and Lee as he slides in. He's laid out too. So in comes Sandman, who comes out with Tyler on his shoulders, holding a cane to a big pop. Joey's freaking out. Sandman gets the ring, cracks a beer, smashes Lee with the cane. Raven decks Sandman, but Sandman canes him a few times, drops with the DDT, covers, and counts three. The ref counts three, which is weird since he wasn't in the match. Sandman and Tyler hug after and walk out to an ovation, which is a good moment, of course, the two of them reuniting. Tommy shakes Stevie's hand to endorse him. Another big moment as well for Stevie. And this is pretty unique and well done. It was uh, heavy on multiple stories. It went more smoothly than you would have thought, though, because of it. As everything just hit on cue. Tommy aborting pins, Raven baiting him to screw Funk, and then Funk freaking out as the title shot faded quickly. All worked well. The brawling throughout was solid as well. Good spectacle and angle development match by all four. The trash can barrage was very vicious to make you believe Funk should stay down. Tommy and Stevie shaking hands was a good moment. So was Sandman and Tyler's reunion. Close that out as it's pretty much run its course. Sandman somehow winning the match was an odd approach, but this is all well woven together. It leaves some big questions as to who will challenge Raven at Barely Legal. Are Sandman and Tyler really reunited? Is it another ploy? Uh, is it Sandman? Is it Dreamer? Is it Funk? Is it Stevie? Like, what's going on in the title picture? Jenny went three and a quarter. Uh, what did you think of the match? And what did you think of the blow-off to the Tyler Fullington stuff? Did it feel like it was shoehorned in? Did you want something more dramatic to have it play out? Because um, I actually thought it kind of surprised me. It came out of nowhere, honestly, the way they did it. Uh, for all the time and effort they spent on it, it felt like they were just trying to get it out of the way by this point. So uh, what did you think of everything? I mean, I every other second, as, as you were describing the match, I'm thinking about it, remembering it, and I'm like you know what, I think I like this more than I rated it. And then, you know, you talk about the Tyler stuff, and I'm like, you know, I don't know, that was kind of weird and, and short, and they didn't even say anything. But I guess we've done it for so long. Everything's been said. Like, what else is there to do? You know, I, I doubt we can save that moment for Barely Legal because Raven and Sandman are going to be probably doing other things. Um, so I kind of liked it here. Um, and I, I kind of actually really like this match. The more I think about it, Funk was madman, uh, trying to get off of the stretcher, um, after having his entire brains bashed in with a trash can that Brian Lee went to town, boy. I mean, he was, it was, it was brutal and I was kind of into it. And, uh, Raven, I thought was brilliant. He was, he was just directing, you know, Lee and he played Tommy perfectly and played Funk perfectly. It was really a master class by Raven um, through the whole match. And um, just to see him have to watch uh, Tyler and Sandman, you know, come into the ring with carrying a cane. That It was pretty great. Like I popped hard for it like the crowd did. Um, so it, it does feel a little shorted, but also... I don't know, maybe well-placed. So I think I've talked myself back up to the three and a half stars, Matt. It's a, uh, it's a very uh, story heavy match, which I think makes uh, sense to me. And in, mm -hmm. in this spot, because you're this close to a pay-per-view, you don't want 
any of these four guys getting hurt. So you don't want to have a wild brawl, especially when you have a, a 50 plus year old man in there. Like, let's not have him take any crazy ass choke slams through tables like he did in that match with Lee a couple weeks ago. So I, I think it was smart to have a storyline heavy match here. Uh, and because of that, I do think like the star rating suffered a bit. I mean, it's still plenty enjoyable, but it's very storyline, but the story is good, but like it's, it wasn't a match that was about moves, you know? So I ended up going three stars on it. It was still good, but again, very storyline heavy. The stuff with Sandman and Tyler and Laurie, to me, it kind of just felt like, all right, let's get this out of the way before barely legal. Cause barely legal is going to be a loaded show and we don't need another thing on there because we may not have time for it type of thing. It's It, it kind of felt like that to me because it kind of it just comes out of nowhere. Like it was like you said, uh, JT, it was unexpected. Like it just kind of happens. So it's definitely weird to throw it on a match that Sandman's not even involved in. He just comes out with Tyler on his shoulders. It's very weird. But but it's yeah. very Sandman, though. It It is. It is, I guess. But. I don't know. I, I do kind of wonder if they maybe should have saved it for the pay-per-view or even like have Sandman have a throwaway match next month and, and at Hostile City show, Showdown and do it there. It just felt to me kind of shoehorned into this match. But uh, so, yeah, I, I should have done it before this. That's the problem. Like it, it just right. it was done. Raven. <laughs> Yeah, hasn't even used saying. them in a while. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it should have just been done in like January or something. That's I think that got fucked up too by his rehab. I'm sure. So I, I think everything's yeah. kind of mm-hmm. got screwy with that. But yeah, it was just it was way past its its heat and its expiration right. for sure. Yeah, like so, it, it it was almost to the point like where you kind of forgot about <laughs> forgot it was a yeah. thing that happened at this right. point too, which is a good point. So uh, yeah, it was fine. Uh, like I said, very story. I do think the ending dragged a little bit too long with, you know, them getting the stretcher out here and checking on funk and uh, yeah, it was a bit too much, but uh, I, I did enjoy it overall. So three stars for me. Um. Also real quick, what do we think about um, dreamer and Stevie teaming up? Hmm. Yeah, I think that was a cool moment because mm-hmm. I don't think it was them teaming up as much as well, it you know was. I mean. Yeah, right. I, I think yeah. it was a cool like dreamer, you know, saying this guy's legit, right, kind mm-hmm. of thing because he's been Raven's lackey mm-hmm. and he's been antagonizing Dreamer for years, mm-hmm. right? So it's a Dreamer's way of acknowledging like Richards is done being Raven's bitch, right? And he's on his own. He's a legit threat. He's a he's a and he's a guy you can you can trust now. So. I think it was their way of giving the, like, you know, legitimizing of Stevie Richards by by having Dreamer be the guy to shake his hand. Mm-hmm. You guys, I just had a terrible thought. Uh-huh. What what if the turn on Raven by Stevie was a work? And it's a long con. <laughs> Do you think the whole BWO is just a setup? All set up. How Raven would that be? <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> I, am, I I see the Twilight Zone swirly thing in my head now. I mean, Jay, do you have a prediction right now for Billy Legal, like what the title match is going to be? Mm, I I figured it would be Funk. I mean, just because you know you want people to buy your pay per view and people mm-hmm. like Terry Funk. Mm-hmm. So, but I. Yeah, I think that's going to be my prediction. Okay. 
All right, let's get to our main event of the night, which is a very interesting one, as Sabu, in his double action tonight, we've already saw him once earlier in the tag match, takes on Chris Candido. Uh, Candido's really moving up the ladder quickly. Joey puts him over as a wrestler's wrestler. You can feel ECW's feeling itself with these card structures. Like, they know the fans are going to be into whatever the fuck they put out here. So we get a very unique main event on this card. Candido gets the mic, says Sabu disrespected him by looking past tonight to the pay-per-view. He says Sabu and Paul Lee have a conspiracy against them because it's the first ever main event. But then Sabu opened the show with the tables and all sorts of bullshit. So tonight he'll kill the myth, and Sabu's a furniture-breaking asshole and a jerk-off. <laughs> Usual Candido <laughs> rambling. Uh, Joey says Candido's in the best shape of his life, and I would agree. He's lean and shredded here. The fans are fully behind Sabu as we get going with lots of attacks that don't connect. We reset. Sabu starts to pick things up, driving Candido to the floor, smashing him into the fans of the baseball slide. Sabu grabs a chair, heads back in, hits a triple jump dive, but Candido dodges it and splats to the floor. Candido goes to the top and flies into the crowd with a high cross body, connecting into Sabu. We head back inside where Candido stuffs Sabu with a pile driver but doesn't cover. He slugs away, loads up a superplex, but actually does a top rope pile driver that didn't quite land. Joey talks about what a big win this could be for Candido as he drags a table into the aisle. Sabu comes back with punches in the ring, dumps Candido outside, and dives into a suicide dive. They brawl into the aisle. They try and use a table, but neither man gets the advantage. Sabu finally puts Candido on it, tries a springboard leg drop, but Candido moves and he smashes through it. Candido staggers back inside, heads right back out, chokes Sabu with a cable wire. Back inside, Candido runs through some offense, but he can't put Sabu away. He goes to a chin lock. Sabu tries to battle back, but Candido gets a swinging neck breaker for two. Candido hotshot Sabu, keeps talking shit to the crowd as he works through his attack. Sabu blocks a suplex, reverses into a suplex to the floor. Candido collapses out there. Sabu stalks him. Sabu misses a leg lariat and smacks the barricade, but he's up quick, grabs a chair and throws it at Candido's face, and then meets him with a springboard hard karana for two. Sabu tries another springboard move, but Candido catches him in a back suplex. Sabu counters a suplex into a super gourd buster, then flies into Candido with a somersault senton for two. Candido blocks Sabu on the top, takes him down the uh, Hurricanrana for two. Candido sets up a chair, but Sabu meets him with a leg lariat, heads up top, and Candido crotches him and bashes him with headbutts. But Sabu counters and backdrops Candido down. Candido blocks a triple jump moonsault with his knees as the crowd splits uh, is split here in the chairs. Candido gets a doctor bomb and puts a chair in Sabu's face. He flies off the top with a headbutt, but Sabu moves. He whacks a chair, which is a bad move, a bad choice. Candido powerbombs Sabu for two, tries a second, but Sabu flips out of it. It's the triple jump leg drop for the clean, hard-fought, very long battled win. Candido grabs the mic and gives credit to Sabu for beating him in his own game. Shane Douglas, Brian Lee, and Francine will be pissed for saying this, but he says it. Sabu's a hell of a wrestler without the bullshit. Come April 13th, he doesn't care for Sabu or Taz wins. They just wanted to draw, so they all get paid. Candido shakes his hand, and they walk off. Oh, this is very good. Uh, nothing... Anything it didn't pop or feel like a super main event or anything, but it was it was well worked and developed. Candido's so clean in the ring, he adds such so much to the card. He looks strong going toe to toe the whole way. Sabu Sabu, he somehow threads together these ridiculous spot fest into cohesive matches, <laughs> and he got it through the second battle of the night. I'm just a warrior. Uh, odd placement, odd choice. Like they have enough of a roster to have done something else. I don't think they need to do this double shot to put Sabu through this tonight, but they go this route. Uh, I ended up going three and a quarter stars, Matt. I thought it was a, a very good main event to close this out. I've really enjoyed Candido so far. Uh, I just don't know why they went this route and didn't try and mix it up instead. Yeah, it's a weird main event, especially given the tag match we just saw. Mm-hmm. But I, I did enjoy the match overall. I went three and a half on it, a little bit higher than you. 
uh, it was a bit too long for my liking, like sort of like what we said with the opener. It felt like they were kind of losing stuff a little bit with some of the, the big spots we saw earlier. It felt like they didn't quite know how to nail the finish. Like I felt like the finish just came out of nowhere with the triple, uh, the triple leg uh, jump leg drop. It just kind of finished out of nowhere. There was no real flow to the end, but uh, some of the spots were crazy. I mean, that dive where Sabu just crashes face first into the guardrail was disgusting. The dive to the floor where Candido moved out of the way at the last second and still wasn't really able to move. He was still sitting on the table when Sabu crashed through it. I thought that was insane. But yeah, it was a good match and a good way to end the show. But I almost wonder if they should have opened with this and closed with the tag title match. I wonder if that would have maybe changed things around a little bit. I don't know. I wonder if this would have worked as an opener, but, uh, as is, I, I still enjoyed it. And, uh, it, it, like you said, a bit too long, but, uh, yeah, uh, three and a half for me, Jenny. I think, um, a little bit lower on it than you guys. I did three stars. Um, Sabu looks fabulous in yellow, of course. Um, so I couldn't decide if it, I think I've decided I was debating whether this match was half speed Sabu or really good Candido. Um, but they met somewhere in the middle because Mm -hmm. they had some pretty decent chemistry. I did enjoy the match. It was too long. Um, that's fine. I mean, I didn't ding it too much for that, but, um, Candido is just all over the place. Like, I mean, he's good. Like I really do enjoy watching wrestle and his promos just don't make sense to me. Like he's insane. Um, (laughs) I, I don't know. I like his energy, his like his wild energy at when he's wrestling, but not when he's speaking. So I think he could use that in some way, but it's just the right. thought of like hearing him talk makes me not want to watch him. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Mm-hmm. So like even as I enjoyed him going pretty much toe to toe with the uh, a Sabu who'd already wrestled thirty minutes tonight. Um, I don't know. I feel like three was pretty generous. Um, I do like the the praise promo at the end, but it just it sounds insincere and totally fake, and I totally didn't buy it. But right, well, it's Candido. Yeah, so I, <laughs> I don't know. It's like, eh, well, I don't know what this guy. So I, I hadn't decided on him yet, but three stars. All right, so we are. Like I said, getting closer to barely legal. We have one more super card uh, to occur here. Before then, we'll get into, we have a very big episode uh, next week, or in two weeks, I should say, in our next uh, episode of the podcast. We'll be covering ECW's foray into the world of DDF and Monday Night Raw, plus the uh, follow-up to this show. But before we do that, let's get to our awards to wrap up Cyberslam. Best match, I had Sabu and RVD versus the Eliminators. Yes. Uh, yep, I'll go with that. All right, worst match, Spike Dudley and Axel. I believe mm. so, yes. Mm-hmm. All right, best moment, I went with the New Jack dive and Sandman's reunion with Tyler. It was sort of low on moments. Um, I was going to say the Shane thing, but yeah, I, I'm going to go with Sandman. I had, uh, I had the balcony dive from New Jack. All right, most 90s, I went with the Internet Fan Convention. Yes. And then Pimple won uh, commenting on Sean's fake injury. Yeah, <laughs> so Sean Michaels, topical. of course. 
uh, uh, just Tommy Rich in general. Just just him <laughs> looking eight, like most eighties. I, I know, but he's wearing a lot of denim, and that makes him move. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Eighteen. <laughs> uh, stock rising. I went Saturn, Triple Threat, Taz, Raven, Funk. Mm, would you put Chetty on there as well? Eh, I don't think that's anything. Not I think, it was just a, yeah. I think that was more oh. less about him winning and more about them trying to like have Rich screw up in his debut. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, stock falling. I had Ron. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're gonna put him there. Uh, and final grade, uh, you know, look, it's a standard ECW show. They're all good. So I, I thought it was good. I didn't think it was great. I think we were missing that classic match. I think the opener could have been it, but it fell a little bit short. And then we didn't have anything, again, with a ton of high stakes outside of the Dreamer match. Now, that said, they did pack a ton into that. They gave it a lot of time. We had multiple, multiple, um, you know, pieces of uh, storyline going all through that across the card. So a lot was jammed there. Beyond that, though, it was a pretty inconsequential show. Like, you could have just watched that one match on TV and not missed much else, honestly, mm. uh, going on here on this episode. But that said, I still went six and a half out of ten because uh, it's still entertaining. It's still ECW in 97. It's still fun. The crowd's engaged. So it's good stuff to get into, but definitely lacking behind some of the better top-line ECW shows that we've seen. Yeah, uh, it, it was missing some sex appeal. There was something. It was mm. it was a little flaccid. Um, I'm going to do the six, Matt. Yeah, I went six and a half on it. It's We're still in this weird filler period. This was another one of those type of shows. And like I said earlier, it's very like ECW house show to me and not mm-hmm. necessarily an ECW arena show. Which I mean, it was still good and it was still an entertaining show. But yeah, compared to some of uh, the other stuff we've watched, some of the bigger shows we've watched. Uh, yeah, uh, this this doesn't come close to those, but still a good watch for sure. So six and a half. It's not flaccid. It's a content North South Connection podcast network. We have lots of great stuff coming to get you each and every day. Love bringing you the different content, whether it's evergreen, whether it's current product based. Of course, we just had SummerSlam this past weekend, so we had a lot of coverage around that. Viewers Choice of Marcus and Tim, Clotheslines and Headlines 2.0 every other Friday, covering all the happenings in WWE. That rotates with, you know what that means, our AEW podcast on every other Friday as well. And then alternating with this show on Thursdays is Wrestling Warzone. Myself and Chad Campbell going through the history of the Monday Night Wars. We're into late 1996. So there's a lot of cool content that's not even scratching the surface, what I just mentioned. Subscribe, share us, rate us, uh, you know, tell a friend, leave a review, help us get noticed even more so we continue to turn this content out to even more of an audience. And we'd appreciate it. Love all the support, love all our listeners, and those that take the time to provide the feedback as well. Jen, anything you want to plug? Um, well, I would plug Wednesdays right here on North-South Connection because that's where all my shit is. <laughs> uh, my shows you hear about Pluto, uh, Freak Out Drive-In, me and Bianca finally did an episode finally a new one uh, we watched uh, Romeo plus Juliet so that was fun and you should be able to hear my 100th episode uh, which is you heard about Pluto where me and Rocco watched Beavis and Butthead so yeah that was smart I did not plan my 100th episode very well <laughs> So anyway, that was fun, and listen to that. And I'm on Twitter at Jenny Position. Well, we got uh, a lot of milestones here because uh, we just recorded the 50th episode of Highway to the Impact Zone, so that should be out uh, by the time you're hearing this, where we watched, uh, live watched, 
the final two episodes before Bound for Glory 2005. And uh, by watched, I mean talked about everything besides what was happening on the wrestling show. So uh, uh, give give that a listen if you have not yet. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at msusa1991. Very good. Congratulations there, Matt. Uh, nice milestone for you guys churning through history of TNA. And uh, who knows? Maybe someday there'll be even more TNA content out there on this family. We'll see. All right. We'll be back in two weeks' time. We'll continue, continue to trek toward Bill Legal. And like I mentioned, too, we will cover ECW's foray into the world of the World Wrestling Federation, which is a very infamous night in wrestling history. So until then, stay extreme. We'll talk to you soon.